Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. This is episode number 55 with our guest, Mark Saluk. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Well, hey there, guys. Thank you for joining us. You are tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. My guest today is the president and CEO of Fluber. Now, let that sit for a minute. I'm sure when I say that company name, you can most likely give a best guess as to what you think that business is all about. Certainly no accident. That's right. Fluber is an air taxi service. How cool. Designed to be accessible to everyone, not just elite passengers. How cool is that? Meet Mark Saluk. Fluber, as he says, is a combination of his passion for aviation and two decades of experience founding and leading a business. As the leader of his telecom company, Transbeam, Mark spent countless hours shuffling through airport security for quick flights to meetings in nearby cities, who can't relate to that, only to go through the gamut once again on a same-day return trip. It almost seems like they can't figure out how to get us from point A to point B on a plane where there's no stress or aggravation, right? The experience led him to create an alternative. Fluber circumvents the inconvenience of airport travel by offering passengers an affordable door-to-door air taxi service. I cannot wait to learn more about this and more about this extraordinary gentleman. Help me welcome to the show. It is Mark Saluk. What's going on, Mark? Morning, Josh. Happy to be here. Excellent. And for those not watching the video, I'll just point out that Mark is sitting what appears to be an airplane hangar, I guess. Certainly no accident. You're, uh, you're a smart man. You're a branding man. Uh, so you're sitting with some, uh, in, a, in an airport hangar with some cool-looking jets. Explain to us where you are and why you're there. Sure. Well, uh, I'm in Farmingdale, Long Island at Republic Airport, and this is the Fluber Hub. And I'm sitting in our hangar where our aircrafts will be loading and unloading passengers. Behind me, you'll see a bunch of beautiful jets. And, uh, you know, we're excited to get this moving. So Fluber is not um, yet available to the public. Is that what I'm hearing? Not just yet. Our, we'll be launching in the next uh, few weeks officially with oh. our inaugural flights happening uh, early in March. And where can somebody like me, where can I go to and from, at least in the foreseeable future? Right, so our inaugural flights will be New York based. So we'll be doing New York, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll be flying New York, Boston, New York, DC, New York, Philly, and we'll be expanding around the country, you know, within the next year, year and a half. And uh, we'll, you know, we're hope, hopefully we'll have a uh, pretty strong presence in tier one cities. In how many cities? Tier one cities. Tier so one cities, yeah. Tier one cities, yeah. We'll, we're, we're hoping to have. Um, a presence in six markets, 24 cities, uh, by the end of 2020. 
Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm like getting the chills because it's such a, it's such a beautiful thing to watch this unfold. First of all, you are at the early stages of an incredible journey. I have so many questions, so interested in this pursuit. First, um, how many passengers on the type of plane that you will transport people to and from? So we'll be flying uh, very comfortably, a total of five passengers plus two crew. Five, wow, and, so, it's, so it's sort of like my own private plane. Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you said, it's not only just for the elite anymore. It's, uh, you know, regular folks. You know, I used to travel from New York to DC and Boston very often. And for an eight o'clock meeting, I used to, you know, an eight o'clock flight rather for an 11 o'clock meeting, I used to have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. Yes. Take a tag, take a, <clears throat> a car service, head out to the airport, go through all the nonsense at the airport, and uh, you know it was a, a you know several hours just to to get to my to my meeting in in a different state, and so it dawned upon me how you know why why do we have to go through this? Why can only the elite fly private jets? Why can't we put together a service that works for the regular folks? You know there are thousands and thousands of people a day that that fly from New York. <clears throat> from major cities to regional cities and they all go through the same the same you know logistical nightmares that we all kind of want to get away from and so we put together here a model that we think uh, works very well very efficiently it's an alternative to commercial av aviation and it really is priced very economically can we talk price we can so our markets will be $600 round trip from, from uh, all our, our um, originating cities to our destination cities. $600, and they will, wow. $600 round trip. There will be no mem annual membership fees. And that will include a card that actually picks you up from your origination to the field. And again, from your meeting back to the field. See, that part I absolutely love. So if I want to go from New York to Boston, I go to this uh, Farmingdale, New York hub. Um, and if I heard you correctly, the $600 price tag, which is round trip, will also include a car service to come to my home, bring me back and forth to that airport. Absolutely. And actually, what's unique about it is we're, our, our uh, whole model is app-driven. So you'll be able to download an app and from the convenience of your phone, find the flight you need to be on, find the city you need to get to, book that travel. In, in that same system, you'll have a car uh, scheduled to pick you up at that time, get you to the field 10 minutes, 15 minutes before your flight. You'll board, get on your way get to your city, do your meeting, and get back on the same day or, or a day thereafter. That is just amazing. So the, um, the, the FAA is the big, uh, the big company you had to, um, to deal with, right? Well, I used to have to deal with the FCC, so I have to learn some new acronyms here. But yes, FAA is the new bureaucratic body. Actually, I think very highly of them. They're, um, you know, they're there to keep us safe, to keep everyone safe. Yeah. And, um, you know, I appreciate, we appreciate all that they do and, and the work that they put in and the efforts that they put in. And at the end of the day, you know, like I said, it's, it's their, their rules and regulations. They're there uh, to make sure that we're all, um, you know, we're all in a, in a good place. And I, I mean, I, I can't imagine what those, what those um, papers you had to submit and what those meetings were like and certainly what those payments you had to make. I'm sure that they wanted some sort of compensation for giving you the right. But what was that whole process like getting FAA approval to do something like this? Right. Well, it's not really a matter of compensation. You know, um, it, it's a matter of uh, having the right skill set and having the right protocols and having the right people um, to be able to maintain the requirements that are that are mandatory mm -hmm. under these type under this particular type of license we're a 135 um, operator or charter operator what, what they call a 135 charter operator and um, they're, they're very um, you know they're very stringent in terms of, of those regulations and so they look at everything from the type of aircrafts you have how the, the aircrafts conform the equipment, the procedures, the safety procedures, the mechanical procedures, the maintenance procedures. And these are all things that we, um, 
that we, you know, that we're, you know, we're, we're glad to com comply with. I see. Um, so they were, um, they ultimately, what is it, granted you the right, gave you the permission, gave you their blessing, all of that stuff. Absolutely. Yep. So we have, um, so we partnered up with it, with the, an operator that's historically been in business. And uh, when I exited my company, you know, there were a few different things that I needed to do to, uh, to actually achieve being a 135 operator. And to become a 135 operator actually takes a very long time. It takes approximately five years, um, if that, to, um, to, get, to get the 135 license. And so I did the next best thing and found a company to, to acquire. And uh, it's exactly what I did. And we created a broker, which was Fluber, married it with the charter. And um, with that came all the skill set and all the logistics and, and the, you know, the aircraft uh, to get us going. And so when you wrap it, when you have all the right ingredients and you wrap it all together, you know, it kind of starts looking and feeling like a business. And that's, that's where we are right now. That's amazing. So what is your personal history in aviation besides a once frustrated traveler? Well, I have a, a huge passion for aviation. I've, I've loved aircrafts and flying my entire life. And so uh, as soon as I sold my company, I decided to uh, embark on that journey and, and start flying. And flying is what I did. I, I, I literally fly almost every day as a pilot. Oh, you, oh, oh, oh you're a pilot. I'm actually a pilot, yes. And uh, I enjoy flying. I get it. You know, it's a thrill for me. Um, more importantly, uh, you know, it was a... I found a void in the marketplace. I, I knew I wanted to be in this sector and I knew I wanted to find that, that void in the marketplace and build a business and build a business out of it. And so this whole idea and this whole model came about by both the challenge and the passion. And uh, it looks like it's, it's coming to fruition. Are those two of the, the successful ingredients needed you have found? a passion and a challenge and a solution? Well, I think, you know, aside from being a visionary, which I think is, is a very important trait to have, um, I think being a person who's driven by a challenge and will get through any obstacle to, to get through that challenge, I think, is, I think it's a very important um, virtue for a person to have to, to, you know, be able to build a successful business. What does being a visionary really mean and how does it apply to what you're doing today? Right, so it's really easy to have an idea and a lot of people have ideas, right? But how do you actually take that idea, put all the different things together, put all those different ingredients together and build a model that actually works in business and works in reality and so, Having an idea and then bringing that idea to, to reality and executing it on a business level that's, that really you have to have a foresight, you know, three years down the line. So what a lot, of, a lot of people are asked, you know, along the lines of building their businesses, you know, what is your exit strategy, right? And so you have to be able to have that foresight, that vision of what I'm looking to build. Is that really going to work out? Is it really, really, really going to make sense to consumers? Is it really going to work out in the business world? Am I really going to see a profit? Um, and so aviation, historically, when people hear that word, they kind of get scared, right? Are you really going to make money in aviation? Is that really going to work? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. and, that's, uh, and that's, that's where guys like me come in and say, hey, you know, I, you know, I, can, I can make a couple of bucks off this. That's fantastic. And, and uh, yeah. I think it's something that's going to stick. I think it's something that uh, people are going to be really excited. You and then the name. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. We'll talk about the name Fluber, which I absolutely adore. Um, you, you mentioned about um, an exit strategy. And I've, I've heard, tell me if this is true and, and, and you subscribe to this. People say that when building a business, whether or not you want to or ever have an intention to sell, you should build the business with a mindset to sell. Well, look, it, it's always nice to have a goal. And a lot of folks build their business, you know, hoping that there'll be some sort of liquidity or major liquidity down the line. And so a sale definitely accomplishes that. Uh, but it's also important to have 
um, a model that can sustain itself, you know, business is dynamic and it, it could change at any given point. And so in the past, lots of folks started businesses and it was a pie in the sky. I'm going to raise a bunch of money and I'm going to go out there and, and do a public offering. And we remember those days, right? But the plan was never there in terms of profitability. What happens if these things don't pan out? Right. So you have to be prepared in business where the business itself can sustain, you know, your, your, your profit margins have to be there. Your, <clears throat> your, your model has to work. And so while it's important to have an, an exit strategy, it's important to have a business that's actually going to run like a business and, and have, um, and have financials that make sense. So much good here. We're going to double back to you and Fluber. Um, I want to go back to you. Uh, what I mean is I want to see how you became this extraordinary business-minded person. Um, tell us, take, take us back to Mark Saluk as a young child. What was life like growing up? What was the household like? Was it loving and nurturing? Was it chaotic somewhere in the middle? What do you remember from that era? Well, my childhood, I have to say, I have a very caring family. I have, um, you know, I grew up with my mother and my sister. Unfortunately, my, my father passed away at a, at a very young age, tragically. And, um, well, I was at a very young age, and my father himself passed away when I was 11. And it was hard because I, I became the husband, I became the father, I became the brother. And all those responsibilities were really on my shoulder. And... Uh, you know, I had to bear the responsibility of making those monthly payments, make, you know, taking care of my family, making sure that, you know, my sister was heading down the right path. And I myself was uh, in a position to be able to do all these things. So I matured at a very young age. And um, luckily, I met my wife at a very young age, at the tender age of 14. Really? And, uh, you know, we started a life young. I, we ended up getting married at 20. And she's, she's really my pillar. She's the foundation of my success. And uh, we just celebrated our 20-year uh, wedding anniversary this past July. Wow, congratulations. Are you the oldest sibling? Actually, no. My sister is a year and four months older than me. Okay. But you're the oldest son. I'm, I'm the only son. Oh, you're the only son. Uh, the so only. what, you have, uh, you have other siblings? Just one sister. Oh, oh, it's just two of you. But the responsibility fell on you uh, when your father passed, you felt. Absolutely. And I, you know, I was really the only option to, uh, to make things happen. So that's, uh, that was a heavy responsibility. It was very challenging. And I had to make sure that I can, you know, make ends meet at a very young age. And, what does uh, that mean? You were, you were working to make ends meet? Well, you know, I was working. I was, uh, I was in school. I was making sure that, um, you know, when my mother couldn't, uh, you know, get certain things out, I was able to be there and, and help her with it, you know? paying bills and things like that. So yes, I was working at a, at a pretty young age. What were you like prior to uh, double digits, you know, when you were um, a, a younger child? Well, you know, I was, um, really my recollection is uh, for the most part taking care of, of my, my father was ill. So outside of that, I don't, I don't have much recollection other than, you know, hmm. sort of, you know, you know, just taking care of my father. And, 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 and do you remember? It wasn't a great experience, but. Uh, I hear you. Do you remember having an eye on business or entrepreneurial pursuit at an early age, or, or were you sort of forced down that path? Well, I remember always being driven by a challenge. I, I remember always being, you know, I met my wife, like I said, at a young age, and, and being married is not easy. We all know that. We all know that a lot of demands and so <clears throat> I was uh you know I, I had to find a way to really you know getting married was was a challenge in it itself so how do you get married how do you have children how do you support a life you know a family and so that a lot of those characteristics really drove me to to want to be successful and want to build something not only for myself but also for my family and my children and you um through high school and uh beyond what kind of a student were you? What did you have your eye on at that point? I was an okay student, but I always, you know, I had my eye on, you know, how to make things, you know, how to build something that, that can actually blow up. I've always wanted to build a big business um, at a later age, actually, more along, you know, 15, 16, 17. 
I was always, um, I was always driven to, you know, you know, case in point at the uh, 18, 19 years old, reselling uh, lo long distance services. You know, how does dial tone happen? That was, you know, it, it got my attention. And so being uh, curious as to how that works, I ended up building my own carrier <laughs> and my own uh, telecommunications company. Now we're talking about Transbeam, which I've read about. How old were you when you founded that company? I was uh, about 20 years old. That's, that's just mind blowing to be able to do that. And what does that mean? You created your own carrier. What does that really mean? So uh, in 1996, when Congress deregulated or uh, took apart uh, the Bell Atlantic back then, uh, they created competition. And so they were the incumbent local exchange carrier. Then we had the, uh, the competitive local exchange carriers were born as a result of the 96 Telecom Act. And that's, uh, that's how we came about. And so we were able to come in as competition and um, leverage the assets that they had on the ground, copper, fiber, and whatnot, and build a company through those assets. Wow. Now, were you just naturally drawn and learned on the job, so to speak, or did you have training prior that allowed you to find that interest? Yeah. So I remember sitting, uh, my training was in a bookstore, similar to a Barnes & Noble. Love it. Sitting on a, in an aisle because I really couldn't afford to buy a book and I had to really budget very, very tightly. And so I remember spending days in that bookstore um, reading Why Not to Start, what we called back then another acronym, an internet service provider. And I read that book, Why Not to Start an ISP. And so I started an ISP. <laughs> wow. Called Transbeam. It was, right. It was ultimately, we started with a, a different name. The name of the service was Cosmoweb, but ultimately it, was, it became Transbeam. And you were providing dial-up to lovely homes around the area? Actually, businesses. So we were one of the first to, um, right, we, were, we partnered up with a company back then called U.S. Robotics, and they had the new X256K high-speed dial-up service. And so I think we were one of the first companies to... Um, buy that modem pool, build it in a data center, connect a couple servers to it, which I did all myself. And uh, being one of the first, they agreed to take our banner, put it up on their website. And we just got an influx of business users wanting high-speed service. And uh, we're signing up people at $49.95 a month. Ooh, good price. Oh yeah, wow. it was great. And uh, it, was, it was an annuity type revenue. So it was, you know, that you signed up that customer and. Right, you know, it entails support, but you know, I was very good at accounts receivables, accounts payable, support. Man. So I was doing it all myself, and it was, uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was hard, but I enjoyed it. What qualities or traits did you have then to bring to the table as a business minded person to make that such a, such a success? Well, you know, you have to, along the way, you know, I, I was involved in, in different ideas. By way of example, I developed this um, this software called so um, Software Video Advanced Cataloging. And what it was, was it was this idea where I, I went over to these, uh, you know, call it jewelry companies and offer them a service where I would take their printed uh, material, their, their magazines, wherever they, they have their products in, and I offer them to digitize their 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 products, put it on a CD, and that would save them the printed, the, the printing uh, costs and all that, and, and give their customers sort of a new light into e-commerce and, and uh, that, whole, uh, that whole world. And so they were, um, it went well, but more people were interested on how to connect online, and how to connect online rather than the, the software itself. And so that's how my, you know, that's how the, the whole dial-up uh, segment came into, into play. And so uh, I sold a few programs, I sold a few software products, and uh, when I started offering the dial-up service, that just ballooned into something that I, I really didn't realize until you know two years into the company. How big did what, what was then called Transbeam, how big did that company ultimately get? Uh, we were in the uh, double-digit millions, the mid-double-digit uh, uh, mid millions, and uh, up until a year ago, you know, we, we were doing very well. Um, we had a great name in the industry. We we're all about service, all about customer, customer service. And 
you know, the experiences that I, uh, that I got in that company from a, uh, just from an operational perspective, um, really helped out in terms of, uh, you know, guiding me and certain things I did and how to ultimately run a business. Was there something in that business that you can pinpoint one time or another just didn't go quite right and you found yourself in a, a little bit of a quandary? Right. So being able to, in a complex business, being able to service customers, um, especially when you have a lot of different systems and a lot of different vendors. I recall when we had to really swivel chair through different systems and it's a real challenge for us because when a customer called in and needed to, you know, had an issue or needed some information, you know, it was a real big challenge in terms of how to create a system that can easily, um, you know, provision services and, and, and get the information the customer is really looking for in a timely manner. And so we call that the operational support system. And that, that took us a couple of years to figure out. And it was extremely challenging. And in this business today, um, I guess one one of the um, one of the good things in, in terms of my experience is I'm able to build this business sort of with that outlook in mind, knowing that all right, I've seen this movie before. How do we prevent this from happening in this new venture? And so you look at all the you know the different challenges that you've had in the past, and, and I was able to implement the system before we actually launch in order to prevent some of the things that some of the challenges that I've had in the past. With this, um, the Transbeam company, I, I imagine it was extremely important for you to surround yourself with the right people, the right providers, the right advisors. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, um, that's a very important, uh, a very important factor in terms of being successful. Um, some of the folks that I've surrounded with uh, myself with in the past are actually a part of this team that I have today. And so, you know, when you do something right and people respect you and people value what you've done, you actually have a follower. And uh, I'm lucky to have that follower today in this venture. Huh. So how did the what was that transition like? Were you just like lying in bed one day and Fluber came to mind? Were you looking for an idea? How did it happen? So I, I was actually looking, you know, I was, I knew I wanted to do something in the aviation business and, you know, I was dabbling in a few different ideas, you know, perhaps purchasing equipment, and, you know, selling equipment. But I said to myself, there's got to be here a void in the marketplace. I've experienced and uh, there's got to be a business here that I can put together that's going to create some good buzz in the marketplace and you know I, I kind of related to my own my own experiences uh, and that's that how basically came about and what about the name did that just come to you one day well you hear a lot of, of the um, you know, some of the competitors out there, they try to associate themselves with the Uber of the sky, yes. right? And so to the extent that you can create the Uber of the sky, not terrestrially, but aerially, right? Um, how does it, how can you actually make that happen? And a lot, a lot of folks that are trying to start up these companies in the air um, are trying to accomplish that goal. Uh, but it really, it really doesn't make any sense because they're catering to the elite. Uber's success in the marketplace is taking that whole model that used to really be associated with the exclusive black car type service where we pick up those executives and applied it to the whole consumer market. And that's, you know, there's a huge appreciation for that and people value that. And that's why they do so well in the marketplace. And we want to take that same sort of um, approach that these elite companies are, are offering, you know, at least private jet companies are offering to the marketplace and bring it down to the consumer market. There's no reason why people can't have that convenience. People can't have less of a headache um, and experience that same success that Uber has brought to the consumer market in the, in the private air taxi market. 
And you actually have Uber connected to your Fluber business model, right? Right. So our, our app is actually connected into the um, Uber app or will be connected into the Uber app when we launch. And customer uses their Uber account. And uh, our objective is to get that customer to the field within 15 minutes of the flight time and get them on board. So if I want to go from New York to Boston, I use the app. I then use my current Uber app to arrange the car, but it's already paid for or will be paid for through you. Well, no, actually the customer has their own account. So they're using their own Uber account, okay. but the interface is built into our app. So what we have, we have what's called an application user interface in that, in, within our app, right? That's tied directly into Uber. Wow. So Uber that's is- That's not exclusive, by the way. They, you know, Uber's got a lot of partners that work with AP, what we call APIs. And so we, we took advantage of that. We think they're a great outfit. And, um, you know, I think that the synergies are, are definitely there. So you are certainly in the home stretch with uh, getting this in, in the air, literally. What, what, what was one of the biggest pitfalls or struggles creating Fluber and getting to this point? Finding the right company to buy. Uh, finding the right company, me, meaning finding the right people within the company. Um, you know, having a 135 license, license encompasses different roles and responsibilities that are, that are mandatory. And, you know, while there, there are several companies that are out there, they lack the, um, those roles. And so it was a real challenge finding, those, finding the right company, filling those roles, and ultimately, um, you know, ratifying the whole, the whole or, or having the whole concept blessed by the FAA. That was, that was a real challenge. Wow. And your, your growth model is expanding into other markets, other airports. Absolutely. So we're, uh, you know, we're planning over the next couple of years. We're starting off with New York. We'll be in Florida. From Florida, we'll go to Texas, Texas to California, California to Washington State, and then out to Illinois. And then wow. we'll be serving regional markets within those states. Hmm. How much risk is or was involved in getting this far? You know, like, like any business, it's, it's definitely risky and you're, you're taking a chance. Um, but if you're driven and you're dedicated to that challenge, I think, you know, we as people can overcome anything if we want to. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's rolling up your sleeves, waking up every morning, getting that objective, doing one thing every day to make that objective or, or you know, and having that objective succeed. And, uh, you know, that, that's what I do. I don't know if I missed this, but what kind of schooling do you have? I went to, uh, so I went to a private uh, school uh, as, as a, as a um, child, as a child, and as a teenager. And then uh, I was in Queens College. You went to Queens College. You graduated high school and went to Queens College for four years. I went to Queens College for three years. Three years. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. What, what kind of daily habits do you have that you can attribute to your just ongoing success? Your, it seems like you have a zest and a passion for life. I make my bed every morning. Do you? Go ahead. I make my kids' beds every morning. <laughs> oh, you make, make their bed. I make their beds. I make my bed. I make them breakfast every morning. I have a routine. I've got to stick to my routine. How many kids do you have? I have three kids. What are their ages? Boys, 17, and two beautiful girls, 15 and 10. Wow, I have a little bit of ways to get to that. I have a five-year-old daughter, a three-year-old son, so I'm at that, you know, sort of beginning-ish stage. And I got to tell you, I had no idea I would just love fatherhood so much. I, I, I seem to not get enough of those two. You know what it is? Unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't experience that as a child. And so, you know, getting married young for me was, was important because I wanted to have that experience with my children. And I have three amazing children today. And there isn't a thing I, you know, I wake up every morning with 
catering to my family, catering to, to my children. And that's, that to me is, is, is an important part of life. And I enjoy it. I enjoy it just as much as I enjoy business. And it Probably shows. Just more, actually. I enjoy it more than my business. But uh, and, I enjoy my business very much. Exactly. And you, you say you make your bed. I've heard that that is something you literally should do. What is the deal with that? What is that? Why, why do you do that? Why do we do that? You know, structure, organization, um, etiquette, it, it's, it's an important way of life. And, um, you know, it shows in how you operate day to day. And when people see that structure and that organization and that, and it's part of that drive, right? Um, sometimes my wife complains, you know, she got out of bed and, you know, she's, I thought she was ready to go in the bed. She comes back, the bed is fixed. She's like, what are you doing? I'm not done sleeping yet. <laughs> I said, well, you can <laughs> go back right into bed. I'll just right. fix it right after. <laughs> wow. It's, it's an important part of, of structure. And I think, I think it's important in having that routine and, you know. Yeah. Um, I, if I, I, I'm just so, um, I'm just so excited by this whole thing because I, I love business and never could have even, you know, that's not where my mind goes into aviation as a business. Yours does, but I just, I just love the whole creative aspect. Do you find that creativity is a big component in what you do? I think it's important to be creative. And like I said before, business itself is dynamic. And so you have to be able to, to roll with it. And to be able to roll with it, I think requires a lot of creativity, right? But creativity that makes sense. Creativity that falls along the lines of being able to uh, build something that is actually successful in reality. And so, uh, you know, creativity and reality together is, I think, is, is a challenge. But if you're in a position to, to make that happen as a visionary, I think putting all those things together can create something really nice. Mm. Looking back on your younger self, what advice would you give that person? Believe in yourself. Believe in what you can do because you can do it. Um, a lot of people, you know, I, I see a lot of, of children that lack confidence that really, you know, don't think they can accomplish certain things. And I tell my kids this every day. The sky's the limit, literally, right? You can do whatever you want. You just have to believe in yourself, believe in that you can overcome any challenge that's in front of you. And unfortunately, sometimes it takes, you know, illnesses and, and you know, different things in life to, to make people realize that they can overcome certain things. But I'm, I'm a big believer in, 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 you know, having the confidence, reaching down deep within yourself and knowing that you can accomplish anything. It's so true, especially what you said about telling your kids that, and you made a comment similar to this. Uh, when I was growing up, I didn't feel I had the, the role models to sort of show me the way. So now I overcompensate perhaps by being there for my children and making sure that I'm loving, I'm caring, I'm nurturing, and I'm giving them the proper direction that they need. And uh, sometimes they don't realize that, <laughs> which creates a, a different challenge. And, you know, given uh, the whole social media world and, and, you know, I guess that kind of works a little bit against us. But ultimately, I think they'll realize that, uh, you know, we mean well and, and we yes. really care. Well, I'm not there, thankfully, yet with the social media. Uh, but I know that it's a whole it's a whole crazy world when your children uh, get there. And oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what what mantra do you live by today? What mantra do I live by today? Hmm. Believe in yourself um, and always welcome a challenge. I like that. You, you've brought that up a few times that a challenge is, um, is something you value, something that you, you embrace. I'm, I'm guessing that that's uh, strategic in the way because 
anything we do has to be at least a little bit challenging for growth. Absolutely. Look, I think the more challenging something is, the more rewarding it is, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and like I said, I welcome a challenge because I know that I'm going to get through that challenge. And, you know, some people thought I was literally out of my mind by going into this business. You know, how, how are you going to make money? This business doesn't make money. Well, it does. You just have to overcome some of the challenges and have some creativity and have some vision and you can get it done, even in this business. <laughs> I love that. I, I, I love that. I love that recipe. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? I do. I so do. Absolutely. Yeah. We could, we could leave it at that. Put a period on it. Put a period on it. <laughs> are, are you spiritual or religious in any ways? Um, I believe in God. I believe in, you know, like you said, everything happens for a reason. And, um, you know, you have to have faith. I think faith drives a lot of your, um, you know, a lot of spirituality. And, um, you know, never let go of that faith because um, knowing that there is a higher being and, uh, you know, and it, it's, it's in here, it stays in here. I think, I think it's a very important uh, factor of life. I love that. Fully agree with that whole faith. And it's a tough concept to really, really believe, right? Ironically, right? Yeah, well, that you, faith. You that, can't, yeah. can't touch it. You can't feel it. You can't understand it. But you can believe it. And, you know, sometimes that works in, in, in different ways, in weird ways, and kind of connects the mind and the heart together. Um, but I think ultimately it, it um, I think it drives people and, and, you know, puts people on a good path. You've taken on uh, with this Fluber venture, certainly nothing you could have dabbled in, right? It's literally all or nothing. You have to go full force. So you certainly seems like it had, had to have exercised faith just from day one. I, I, once you made that decision to go, no turning back, right? Absolutely. Well, to me, the most important thing to me was, you know, do I have my wife's blessing? And so- <laughs> Good man. I put a business plan together, but the, she had to approve the business plan, right? <laughs> so it doesn't make sense. And for a while, it was, it was very challenging convincing her, but I knew convincing my wife that this plan made sense and she would buy into it, I knew that I had a slam dunk. And so uh, it took me a couple months, but I got her on board. And uh, you know, look, I, I came in, I, aviation is my passion and I love to fly, but being in a business is different from having a passion. Um, because look, it's, you know, there, there are some complexities in this business and it's, uh, it's not so easy, like anything else. Correct. And so I, I've surrounded myself with the right people. I've educated myself. I continue to educate myself in this vertical. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's working out really well. I want to talk about the word passion you just brought up for a minute. How you almost made it seem like passion isn't enough to get you to where you are today. You know what? Passion is, is definitely important. And, you know, you can have a passion for flying and, and, or have a passion for anything. For me, it was flying. Um, but how do you take that passion and apply to a business, right? And so you have to find that business, put that business um, on paper. And, and, you know, your passion, while your passion will help you drive the success for that business, um, you really have to have some sort of, of knowledge and understanding of, of how business works to actually make it a reality. So that passion will drive you to get there, but you really, it really requires a lot of skill set. And uh, like I said, surrounding yourself with good, with, with good people that have been in this, in this, in any industry you decide to get in, um, surrounding yourself with the right people is very important. Well, you're certainly no stranger to business. So I'll ask you the question you just uh, inadvertently posed. How does business work? How does business work? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's a matter of having a plan. You know, you always hear, the, you always hear people say, you know, 
plans don't fail, people fail to execute plans. So it's, it's, it's very important to have a plan on paper, to have objectives on paper, to be structured, to be organized, and to make sure that you, you, know, you, you put what we call KPIs, key performance indicators in place, and you make sure that you achieve those KPIs. You make sure that those KPIs are being achieved and that your plan is being executed on a daily, a weekly, and monthly basis. So it's very important to stay on top of your business. It's very important to make sure that, that your goals are being met and that uh, your plans are being met. And, you know, and like I said, it's, it's dynamic, but you have, to keep, you have to keep your finger on the pulse and you have to, to make sure that things are going the right way. This is called the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. And the brand itself was created because I admitted that I've spent decades hiding behind fear, staying frozen, not achieving or even attempting to achieve what I really wanted to and knew I could. You strike me as a very confident man. Um, how does fear ever play a part in your life? Well, Fear, you know, I guess part of having a challenge is having a fear of that challenge, right? And so you really, you really have to, you know, it, it all comes back to the confidence and to the, and, and believing in yourself. And while there, you, you may have a lot of fears out there, you know, you know, how are you going to make your numbers, how, how, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not going to make you hear a lot of sales, but I'm not, I'm afraid I'm not going to make my numbers. I'm afraid I'm not going to make my, my, you know, whatever, whatever position you, you know, you have within your company, you have to be positive. You have to take that fear and turn it into a positive thing. And so long as it's, you know, realistic, I think, um, you know, I, I, I think fear is just, another way of being challenged. So you experience it? Absolutely, absolutely. Well. I experience it, I experience it uh, all the time, but for me, it's, uh, it's not really a fear. It's, it's, you know, I look at it as, as fear, but you know, it becomes more of a concern and then it becomes more of a challenge and then it becomes a win. I, I love that, absolutely love that. What do you believe happens when it's all over, when our time here on earth comes to an end? Wow. <clears throat> That's a scary question. <laughs> well, I believe in, um, you know, I, I believe in, in the afterlife. Right. And so I believe in, you know, for example, the spirit of my father, I believe is always surrounding me and, um, you know, always there, you know, in times of, of need and so on. So, you know, I, I, I certainly believe in, um, you know, I guess it goes back to for my, from a religious aspect, you know, I, I believe in that there is an afterlife and uh, good. You're, you're surrounded by, by angels. I love it. I will leave you with this final question. Mark Saluk, how would you like to be remembered? as the rock of my family. Beautiful. That's what it all comes down to. You can have all the success in the world and you can achieve the most you've ever done. But uh, I think it all comes down to family. You know, there's a, there's a, a joke that I really enjoyed actually is very successful man uh, asked his uh, children to uh, make sure that when he dies, he gets buried with his socks, right? And so, in, you know, in the Jewish religion, you actually can't get buried with anything. And so he left this uh, this letter with his attorney and gave it to his children and uh, told his attorney to give it to the children when they um, when he passed away. And so they opened up, he passed away, unfortunately, and they, uh, the attorney gave the kids the letter and they looked at the letter and says, he wants to be buried with his socks. Went to the rabbi. The rabbi said, he cannot be buried with his socks. No way, no how. Turns out he couldn't be buried. Um, so the, uh, the attorney came a year later. He had a different letter from the dad and he goes, well, what happened? 
uh, well, we can bury him with socks. Well, here's a letter from your dad. He wanted to give it, you know, he wanted me to give it to you a year thereafter. They opened the letter. He says, see, I had everything in the world, I had all the money in the world, and I can't even be buried with my socks. So, uh, look, I, you know, amazing. I want to <laughs> be the rock of my family. You can have all the money in the world, all the success in the world, but, you know. Wow. Yeah. So much there, so much here. Mark Saluk, wow. Thank you kindly for joining us. You are, like I said, the impression I had from the beginning of this interview. Certainly, we got to spend a little bit of time in person at that holiday party not too long ago. What a guy, what a man, what a, apparently, what a father and husband you are. That is your everything I know. Tell us when... Um, when can we get Fluber on our phone and uh, start flying? Well, like I said, hopefully this month we'll, um, we'll be launching our app uh, towards the end of the month and uh, our girl flights will be in early March. Go up wow. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I'm a fan. Um, I, uh, I, I will certainly sign up and take flight even if I have no business in Boston. I'll, <laughs> I'll go, I'll go to a restaurant, I'll have lunch, and I mean that, and I'll fly back. Uh, would look forward to that forward to watching everything you continue to do. Thanks again for joining us, my man. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. And you can sign up on fluber.com and we'll be sending you updates. I absolutely will. And I want to thank everybody tuning in to this episode. If you enjoyed it, if you got something out of it, just do one thing. Take one piece of action and put it out into the world. Take one step forward and make good happen. We're going to try to make good happen again on the next show, which is not too far behind. Until we do, thanks for tuning in. Go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.